Oh yeah, ladies and gents, it's your buddy Gavin Phillip, Buster Freestyle. We are back. Got Jeremy Johnson coming up. Uh, it's kind of like a hundred days in quarantine episode, to be honest with you. And all you got was this lousy podcast. Um, not that it's going to be lousy. It's actually going to be really good. I got a good feeling about it, as the Black Eyed Peas would say. But I do. I got a good feeling about tonight's pod. Um, yeah, Jeremy and I, I don't even know if we're going to get into picnic ideas for... Uh, what would have been part 12 of Kitchen Quarantine or not, but this basically is 100 days in quarantine, so again, let's get after it. Let's celebrate that fact. Let's have some fun with it. couple of things I want to bring up. Places listening. Number one, number one stunner out there, Paris, France, killing it, as always, followed by Walpole, Mass., Springfield, Mass., West Hartford, Connecticut, Dublin, Capital Ireland, Barcelona, out there in Catalonia, a place called Denman Island, Canada. Secaucus, New Jersey, Ramona, California, Boydton, Virginia, Katy, Texas, Mountain View, California, a place called Turak, Australia, T-O-O-R-A-K, maybe Turak, Turak, not sure, Detroit, Philadelphia, a place called Argentule, France, that's A-R-G-E-N-T-E-U-I-L, Bonjour, Essen, Germany, Singapore, Barry, Canada, Cairo, Egypt, Birmingham, England, also Dallas, Texas, bringing it in as well as Framingham, Mass. So all that to say, people are still living, at least listening and living all over the world. We really appreciate it. I would say this, and this is not unique to the filibuster freestyle, but uh, people aren't commuting to work like they used to. People are, you know, not in their cars as much. So podcast numbers, you know, have been really strong for us throughout quarantine. Um, we really appreciate that. So thanks for keeping it going, filibuster freestyle. We love you guys uh, all over the world, local, everywhere in between. Filibusterfreestyle.com is the website, at Filibuster Freestyle on Instagram and Twitter. Here comes the theme song, Jeremy Johnson from Man Could Good on the flip side. Filibuster, Filibuster Freestyle, Filibuster, Filibuster Watch freestyle. out for the Filibuster. Filibuster, Filibuster Freestyle. Filibuster Freestyle. Filibuster Freestyle. It's the Filibuster Freestyle. Filibuster Freestyle. All right, ladies and gents, as promised, Jeremy Johnson joins us from unofficial sponsor of the week, the Subaru Sound Booth out there in beautiful Mar Vista, part of L.A., California. Jeremy, how are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. That's amazing. Uh, listen, hey, today, earlier, you, you texted me, and I was out, you know, running around. We're on different time zones as folks have come to learn by now. And uh, you said you were working at a house. What were you doing? I mean, is that like a, like a little side gig, or where were you? What were you doing? Uh, I was, you know, I've been working for my landlord uh, as a trade for rent. And um, recently I told her uh, that we should we should do some things at her house so that when I go back to work, I can keep working on things for the building. But I don't want her to, you know, focus all this time on the building that I live in and not get any of her little projects done. So got it. I was up there. Um, I, I made some um, she has a bathroom vanity that the. Um, the countertop goes wall to wall, but the vanity does not. There's about a, you know, there's a space on either side. So I made some shelves to um, fit in those spaces, and then we painted them with a matched color from the vanity and uh, made them look pretty. Yeah. And they, they're they done. It took about 10 hours. And, um, 
you know, Bob's your uncle. We're going to do her washer-dryer room next. So <laughs> JJ, you're like a one-man home improvement crew. You know, you, you cook good, you build good, you know, you podcast good. I love it. <laughs> um, so question for you, just so you know, I'm tentatively calling this podcast 100 Days in Quarantine and all you got was this podcast. Um, yeah, I like it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I did notice that, you know, you took a little bit of time off from the public post posting of pictures and things uh, from Man Cook Good, of food on Instagram. I noticed that you're starting to work your way back in. Some tasty stuff coming up. I just want to put in a little plug for the Man Cook Good Instagram feed. It is back and it is looking great. So welcome back to the, uh, you know, the ether, if you will, uh, with, with the lovely food you're making. Just want to put that plug out there for everybody. Thank you. It's kind of a weird thing because it's not like, you know, everything is better now. And it's not like I really stopped for any specific reason or, or well, I stopped for a specific reason, but I didn't have an end goal. Yep. When I stopped posting, I just felt like it was inappropriate to be posting um, food topics when, you know, the country was literally burning. And, um, you know, I just decided that I'd kind of crank that back up a little bit and um, and I've got a couple days of content under my belt and my enthusiasm has waned a little bit but the food is still delicious and there's some nice pictures so yeah. I, I just put them up there. It's amazing just how lovely food is to the eyes sometimes. You know what I mean? I know we're going to get in some other stuff but just really quickly I mean yeah, I'm sure it tasted good, but the good news for me is that 3,000 miles away, whenever I feel like scrolling through the feed, I can see what you made. And, you know, I don't know why food voyeurism is is so popular, but clearly it is, right? Like, you're not the only food food picture guy out there, and people have millions of followers. So I don't know what it is about people who like looking at what other folks are making and eating and enjoying, but it it is nice to see for some reason in the human brain amidst everything else that goes on in the world. I remember when it wasn't something that we did. Correct. And um, even going back to when we were kids, like cookbooks didn't have pictures of the food. Right. They had recipes and like pencil drawn um, pictures. And it was really, uh, you know, only kind of, I remember uh, a friend of mine went on vacation and I was looking at their pictures and they had a bunch of pictures of their lunches and dinners because they were in Lithuania, which was, you know, fascinating to me to see what they're eating there. And I was like, I take pictures of my food too. That's really cool. And uh, they're like, yeah, we do too. Nobody else does that. And that was like, you know, the mid nineties and um, Instagram would have been a great idea then. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you ever saw, I don't know if you ever saw hot tub time machine, but um What's his name? Rob, sure Rob Cordry's character goes back in time, and then he invents Motley Crue and Google and calls it Motley Lou and Lugal, and it's great. And yeah. you could have yeah. done that. You could have called it Jer- Insta JJ, JJ Graham. Right. Yeah. Flip on the old JJ Graham. <laughs> so, anyway, let's do a 180. America, where are we going next? Okay, number one the Sun Belt, the South. Texas, California, Florida, all reporting yesterday, June 17, 2020, their highest number of COVID new cases to date yesterday. JJ, you live in yeah. California, so that's definitely You know what? Yeah, I gotta, hold on a second. There's an ambulance in front of my building that needs to talk to me. Hold on one second. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we've made history once again in the freestyle. Mid-question, Jeremy Johnson is in the sound booth, approached by an ambulance. 
Uh, JJ, thanks for making history as always. Everything okay over there in the neighborhood? I think so. <laughs> I did not appear to be an emergency situation. Okay. Well, either way, we were through the magic of technology. We paused it. We're glad everything's good. So, uh, I don't remember the question. <laughs> the Sun Belt record highs. Yes, there it is. So, you're in California, and California obviously a huge state in terms of people, in terms of land. Um, but both, or you know, Cal, again, Cal, again, California, Texas, Florida, all reported highest new cases of COVID nineteen test positives positive tests yesterday on June 17th. So, you know, this thing's not going away. Uh, this thing is not taking a summer holiday. Um, just want to, one, say that out loud, but two, you know, as you begin to ease your way back into, you know, society and others do the same, you know, what, what are you hearing and seeing out there on the West Coast? Well, in terms of California, um, Specifically, Los Angeles, which has really high numbers, um, relatively speaking, the the um, you can anybody in Los Angeles and LA County can make an appointment on a website and drive up to a testing site and get tested for free. Mm-hmm. Um, so much like our president recently said that uh, if we stop testing people, then cases will go down. Uh, a lot of the reasons why the numbers are um, remaining high here are because we have increased testing. Um, there's a there's a couple metrics that the uh, public health officials and the governor and county people are following here um, that they're using as metrics to gauge the success and the speed of reopening, and it's um, COVID hospitalizations, hospitalizations, and um, the percentage of positive tests per, you know, 100 tests given. So as long as those numbers stay stable, yes, there may be more positive cases of coronavirus, but this just means that we know about them instead of them being out there and unknowns. Sure. Um, whereas a place like Florida, which is actively hiding the data, um, and they're still getting these record highs, uh, it, it really is uh, really a, a scary thing because from the very beginning, this being a brand new virus and it being a, a global pandemic, is the, the answer is lied in the numbers quite a bit. And if you don't have accurate data, you don't have an accurate picture of what's going on here. Um, and I think that uh, the Los Angeles County and the California dedication to science and data will bear out as time goes on more and more. Um, it is such a big place and it's really hard to put a lid on it. It's not like a smaller state like a Connecticut or a Massachusetts where you can you can kind of roll up the, the drawbridge and and close everything down for a little bit and let things settle down and then reopen from there. It's, California is just massive, and the, the disparity between the counties and their testing rates means you can't really have a one-size-fits-all right. approach. So, um, you know, in terms of community spread here, it's um, it seems to be just what we would just refer to as stable um, and uh, the case numbers are not doubling much faster than they were, say, two weeks ago. And um, <clears throat> it's just a wait-and-see approach. But there's still 
plenty of beds in the ICU so mm. everyone can go and get their COVID if they want, and uh, maybe they'll survive it. Got it. Well, In I- terms of places like Arizona, which was the first to open, um, and they've done it very, um, very arrogantly mm. and um, declared Arizona's open for business and tried to see it as a business opportunity for state revenue coffers. Um, they're getting hammered right now, and uh, you, you, what we're seeing is the the initial surge was in states that people travel to and through quite a bit, uh, which just happened to be states that uh, tend to vote Democratic in the presidential election and have major urban centers. And then um, as they took it very seriously and, and locked it down, those numbers stabilized and then started going down. And the places that did not take it seriously and took a little bit more of a cavalier approach are now getting what we're calling the second wave. But really, it's just it's their, we're in a wave pool. It's, I mean, yeah, no, it's their it's their it's their it's their biggest wave. But it, like, this is Chernobyl. This is not a tsunami. <laughs> yeah, totally. So this is an ongoing failure at the highest levels, and um, it will just keep going. It's not going to stop. Correct. Well, I'm glad that you feel that, that California and specifically LA County is not falling into the same depths of, of uh, disinformation and putting your head under under the sand and hoping it goes away. That I think the sunshine shade state certainly is on the East Coast uh, for sure. And there's a difference between the government um, tact and then the you know the citizens here. People are not really they're not staying home anymore. That's for sure. And um, more and more people are out, but you see a lot of people wearing masks, which from all the data that is being gleaned now, the answer appears to be masks. Right. But, um, you know, like the, the GD president just can't help himself, but has to turn everything into a political wrestling match. And now it's like a badge of honor for um, Trumpists to not wear masks. So, I mean, bless them. They're they're. They're rolling the dice on not only their lives, but everyone they come in contact with. Um, I personally wear a mask whenever I um, leave the house to go into a store or public space. Yeah, and we're to. trying to do our socializing with friends outside, but we haven't crossed that border of all wearing masks when we're socializing. And maybe we should, but we're like, we're outdoors and we're trying to, you know, limit, you know, high touch things and yeah the data on that is is still coming out but if you're outside and you're not spending 10 minutes within six feet of the same person you got a shot you know and, and this i think appears to be uh yeah it appears to be a situation where normal human behavior uh in terms of crowds uh live events crowded indoor spaces bars nightclubs churches things like that those are really where this thing starts to get um, get uh, you know extrapolate and just completely expand and correct. That is where things starts to blow up. And you get the exponential growth, which is where the system would break down and where you need to break down. You know, you have to close the economy again. Correct. But if people stay out of bars and they stay out of nightclubs and they stay out of um, indoor environments where they're all breathing all over each other, then maybe we can just have kind of a slow controlled burn. Uh, through society where the healthcare system can handle it and maybe we get a, a vaccine before herd immunity because to get to herd immunity millions plural of people will die 
Correct. Well, with a, th- so, with a country of 350 million people, yeah, you need 60% of the people to have herd immunity. Right. Only way to get there is either for the people who won't be immune to die or for everybody to get it, you know? And that's assuming that your immunity from getting it lasts more than, you know, uh, three months or a year. Which, which by the way, know. we don't know that at all exactly. So it's not like the chicken pox where you get it and you're probably good till you get shingles. No, th- this could come back next week. So, all right, well, let's let's flip it. You mentioned you mentioned the president and, and you, you know, there's obviously another massive worldwide movement going on right now, not related to the virus, obviously related to Black Lives Matter and related to police violence, brutality, systemic racism. You know, it's well covered. I'm obviously not breaking any news here. However, one thing that you pointed out, JJ, uh, earlier when we were talking about the potential to do a pod was, you know, right now we've got a combination of every large company in the country, Fortune 500-ish type companies, is coming out publicly in support of social justice, denouncing racism, actively embracing anti-racism, and stating openly that black lives matter, even to the point where people like Roger Goodell, who have blackballed Colin Kaepernick for five years, are now completely doing 180s. And I do not want to go down the Roger Goodell rabbit hole because I don't care about him. However, the point is, corporate America seems to be on board. And then, as you pointed out, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people are in the streets demanding recognition and change. And I think... You would have kind of asked, you know, the we've kind of got this interesting alliance between quote the people and kind of like the the employee the, the key employees and decision makers of companies. Why don't you expound on that? But it's an interesting it's an interesting alliance and one that actually in America could work. Yeah, it's a it, like is that enough? You know, like is it enough to change the culture if the major corporations that care about um, the opinions of the socially justice, um, social justice motivated consumers, if they and the you know the majority, whatever the number is of people that are engaged with this topic are, decide that enough is enough. Is that enough to overcome a potential for a Trump second term? Right. Like, does any of this matter? You know, like, the the weird thing is, is like all this money that's going to Black Lives Matter uh, causes and um, organizations or the Black Lives Matter uh, movement. You know where that's going, Gav? Do you know any idea where that money is going? I do not. It's going, it's being uh, sent through Act Blue, which is a Democratic uh, national uh, fundraising platform, kind of like a GoFundMe for Democrat um, causes. Okay. Which... You know, is great for them. They're getting a big boost of funding, but like, that's not like really what the Black Lives Matter movement is about. This is not a political movement, and I would argue that at least the the majority of the people that personally that I know that are out there marching regularly, weekly, some of them several times a week, they don't really even care about political parties as they currently stand. They're not. They're not like Democrats. Right. So all this money that corporate America is now donating to the Black Lives Matter cause is going to a political party and then being spent to push political causes and not being spent on like setting up like, uh, you know, community organizations in the black community 
um, think tanks to investigate new ways of policing and de-escalation strategies, um, new ways to, you know, everyone's latching on to the word defund the police, which is, in my opinion, a really bad idea because it scares the crap out of um, most of the country to hear those words. And it's, it's, a, it's a lot easier to say and to chant in a protest than we would like to reorganize the funding for police work so that policemen don't have to do things they aren't really qualified for. Maybe they can only focus on the things that they're supposed to be focused on. And we have other organizations that handle the jobs that make, you know what I mean? Like you can't right. say all of right. that. It's, so it's, it's a big, it's a big, the police. yeah, it's a big chant or a big bumper sticker or a big t-shirt slogan. But to your point, it's not as, you know, it's not it's as the only easy. thing that the majority of voters can agree on right now is they do not like that term, defund the police. Correct. And so I think but the, like, I think going back to the political thing, though, like I just learned, you know, I was today years old when I found out that I was going through, you know, the organization you just mentioned. But, you know, there is a, there is a bit of a political, not agenda, but uh, action item, which is one, obviously, ensuring that people... Are, for, are not disenfranchised, you know, ensuring that they're registered, ensuring that they're, that they have the ability to vote and vote in a timely fashion where, you know, you see a place like Georgia where their, their number one export right now is election fraud, um, you know, by their sitting governor who stole that seat, by the way, uh, relative to, yeah. to voter fraud. So my point is, I know it's not political and I'm not saying these, these donations will address any of these systemic and systematic problems. However, you know, there is this educate piece, there is this advocate for your, you know, for policies that are anti-racist from your elected officials. And most importantly, there is this vote and help others get registered to vote. But I think the thing that people leave out is, you know, end gerrymandering and election fraud. Because as we'll get into, one of the parties especially is, is geared on, if low turnout happens, they can stay in power. If low turnout doesn't happen, the numbers don't work in their favor and they have to more and more blatantly cheat like they did in Georgia last year. Um, but anyway, I, I, a question you'd asked, you know, relative to corporations, you know, you, you, your catchphrase on this show is, it's all about the money. I think as long as, as long as the majority of people who are going to buy things from these companies want social justice, these companies are going to follow the money, whether it's disingenuous or not. And my theory, and we've mentioned this before on podcasts, is at some point, you know, the Supreme Court has already told us that corporations are people. At some point, I'm wondering when corporations become city-states and they have the kind of electoral sway that senators or representatives from states have. Because honestly... Google's a lot more powerful than the state of Oregon, hands down. Well, yes, except um, this, this. No offense Oregon to Oregon, by the set, way. No offense to Oregon. They can set policy. Correct. And they can they can write laws that then can be fought over in the courts. And as long as those laws are within the the framework of the American system of laws, um, they can really hamstring some of these companies. So a lot of these companies are just talking out both sides of their mouth, Gab. That's just what it comes down to. You know, like Bank of America has pledged a billion dollars towards, you know, racial equality, whatever that means, in terms of where you're going to spend that money effectively. Uh, but maybe they um, could have done a little bit better by, like, 
you know, promoting homeownership and uh, small business loans for black Americans for the last, you know, 30 years. So, like, they're actively uh, lobbying Republican politicians for lax regulations, uh, you know, cuts to business taxes and cuts on taxes to the, the wealthiest of the wealthy who run the Bank of America. Right. And then to um, match their 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 shiny happy marketing look they pledge money and way more than anyone else to a cause that's very you know general in the way that they did it and they look good so you know yes corporations are you know they're they're forming public opinion they're certainly amplifying public opinion they're reflecting it for sure but let's say let's say Trump wins and the Republicans maintain control of the Senate and it's basically status quo as right now. So Trump remains the president. Yep. The um, Republicans hold a one seat majority, we'll say, in the Senate, and um, the Democrats hold uh, the the House. Does anything on a federal level change? No, I don't think so. I think we... Like, Trump already signed his police bill so that his Fox News and right-wing media uh, megaphones can say, look, Trump signed a police reform bill. Why are these people, quote-unquote, still out in the streets demonstrating? Um, Now, there's no teeth to that bill, and it, it didn't mean anything, and it really just doesn't change anything, but much like Trump has always done as he says he did it, therefore he did it. Um, but, you know, like, and what do we do? What's the, what is the point here? Is the point to reform policing in the United States of America? Is the point to draw attention to the implicit system, systematic racial bias against people of color in this country? Is the point all the above? Is this about inequality? Is this about the the failures of our brand of capitalism to provide a stable safety net and floor for our most vulnerable citizens? Um, Again, is it all the above? Will any of those things be addressed on a federal level if things don't change? No. No, they will not. Right. Well, you know, I I think if you want to start delving into the the semi-outlandish, but also where this thing plausibly goes it i mean one i agree that nothing will happen federally if if seats don't shift right so if people don't lose their jobs electorally uh things won't change federally i i i I know i i know i say it and people always think i'm kidding and i know it's against the constitution but like every empire has fallen right and this whole idea that you can't you can't leave the union and blah blah blah. You know, I just think that the that the the way that the outside world is using a useful idiot to weaken weaken our country as a whole in terms of like the ethos of being American. I just see regions and states taking laws and, and social issues, social security, all of it into their own hands in the next 50 years because the government is proving to only be good at taking money and putting it into military industrial complex related things or themselves. And that's it. Corporate grift. And at some point 
you know, again, whether it's against the Constitution or not, like those colonies, you know, left England and that shit happened. Excuse my French. And so Soviet Union used to be a thing. Now it's not. But now it's pretty much back again in, in any, everything but name. Rome ain't seen a good day in a long time. Greece hasn't had done a thing since they made salad. Like, like everything falls. And so at some point, I think the people will, 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 will want better and, and somehow it will get carved out. And yes, that's outlandish and implausible, but we cannot have another four years that turns into eight years, that turns into 12 years of a banana republic. It's just, it's just not well, going to fly with 350 million people. It's either going to be an a- autocratic state or it's going to break up. Well, you know, you you make some some good points, but I think there's some things that are missing from that. Um, the the empires that you you bring up, they expanded their territory into typically sovereign regions. Yep. So you already had a kind of powder keg there, so that when the weakness came, mm-hmm. it was exploited. Um, the so the United States has been whole its entire, you know, history ever since we got to fifty states and territories, um, and also like we do not have a like it's it's really hard for our federal government to simultaneously claim that federal government is useless and should not have any power, and also be this like all-seeing, all-knowing autocratic state. Right. We have government on the city, county, state level that you can affect change through even when, you know, Trump Jr. is elected president after his father's, you know, third term and, you know, the feds continue their march towards irrelevance. Um, It... If that were the case, though, if we start like, like for instance, Trump is, uh, he, I don't think he's ever read the Constitution. I think we could clearly say that he's, he's certainly no student of the American civic system. Um, that would be fair. And the, the stuff that Bolton just came out with today, it's, just, it's a topic for a whole nother pod. Like, we're not even prepared to talk about that. But oh, I've got a couple lines to, on, I've got a couple lines on him for later. Don't worry. <laughs> but the the institutions are still holding. Now they are decaying, and they are they are being battered by the storms of the you know the madman. But like the army, the generals have come out and said we're we're not yes. to be used on uh, on local citizens. The national guard is not interested in that. Um, there's a pushback against what. There's a huge pushback. That Lafayette uh, Square, Lafayette Park situation was like a huge blow to the president's poll numbers across this country. And I think maybe even more than you and I as non, non, um, religious, non, you know, like Bible belt people, Midwestern people that go to church. Um, and it's like a social contract of like, you go to church every weekend and you show up and you, you, pay lip service to the the structure and therefore it's okay to have this fool in office because he's claiming to push the things that you care about then he goes out there and everybody has to watch it live on tv because they're stuck at home Mm -hmm. and he orders american troops to gas and beat americans for a photo op with where he holds up a bible upside down and says 
the Bible. It's a, it was clear and obvious misstep by him, and his poll numbers dro- have dropped like a rock ever since that moment. And one day we might look back on this as that as the turning point at the end of Trumpism. Really, it would be great because you know I do feel incredibly. I don't. I don't feel. I don't actually. That's not true. When it first went down that the greatest New York City con man ever was somehow playing with people out, outside of New York City who didn't get that he was only thing he's good at is telling you what you want to hear so he can do what he wants to do. And I no longer feel badly for those people because they, they're, you know, the comeuppance is terrible. But, you know, to, to put your faith in, a, in, a, in somebody who's been so non-religious... Um, you know, what a moment to, to gash your own citizens, to hold up a book you've never read upside down in front of a church that you don't go to, to pander to a group that you're about to alienate. Wow, that would be an amazing slice of comeuppance. And, and I, every time I think something's going to work from Billy Bush on the tour bus to today, it doesn't. I was talking to Marcos, our, our mutual friend, a couple weeks ago about, you know, he was like, man... You know, the Mueller report's going to be it. And, like, the Mueller report feels like it was 50 years ago. It didn't do a thing. Um, and part of the reason is John Bolton, who we'll get into. But, but I do agree, J.J., one of the things I wrote down tonight before we got on was if the military upholds the Constitution instead of upholds whatever the commander-in-chief says when what he's saying is against the American people and against the American Constitution, we have a chance, whether it's an alliance of corporate entities and the people or anything else or local governments or whatever, if the military doesn't enable the banana republic, you got a chance. Yeah, well, that was kind of Trump's only play left regarding these protests was to make them violent. He can sit at home and tell his um, his cronies that he wants the police to be combative and create violence on a local level but he he's been checked he can't send the national guard of the army out under well he can't send the national guard because they're not even under his command right they're under government really extreme yeah it's like really legal gymnastics that he would have to do to even like work that chain of command out but he can't send the army into cities because the army and the military has said no so his his chance to make this look like a fringe, radical, violent m- movement has passed him by. So now he's likely just going to ignore it and just pound his chest about something else or pick a, a small part of it and make it seem like it's a you know an attack on those those poor Republicans who have been in power for most of my life. These victims who right. you know can't can't seem to catch a break yet they seem to win elections through nefarious means left and right. Right, but. It's this is the thing. Like I get in these conversations with people, and like there are people that are more optimistic than I am, and it's not that I'm optimistic or pessimistic. It's just that I'm like, look, at this point, like nothing has mattered. So until something matters, I'm not going to get all excited about it. Totally fair. Um, but this seems to have resonated with swing state more conservative voters in a way that I didn't foresee when it happened. Well, I'll tell you what, and you alluded to it earlier, and I actually, I had a, I had a conversation related to work with uh, a very young adult today, you know, somebody who's probably 20, 21 years old, and, and, 
you know, she and I don't have a lot in common other than that, you know, she goes to school at the place that I work, right? But she talked about how this was different too, and, and it wasn't, you know, the stuff that, that really set people off with George Floyd has been going on forever. One, technology is caught up to document it. Two, everybody was at home and has been at home for a hundred days in a row. And so what you're getting is you, you, you can really BS people when they're too busy with their own lives to care. But right now, all we want is federal leadership to get us back to our normal lives. We're not getting it. And now we can focus on things that we're usually too drugged out or dumbed down or busy to deal with. And that's the difference, right? Because well, we, Every we, time you turn on your TV, the president is lying to you. But now you have time. Now you have time to be like, is this dude lying to me? And for the people who saw through him for what he was from the days when he was on Lifestyles and the Rich and Famous in 1984 with Robin Leach, and I didn't like him then as like a seven year old kid, and I sure as hell don't like him now. You know, I was in. I was in early on that, (laughs) and that doesn't matter. And that doesn't matter. But the point is, you, you can't fool all the people all the time. And you know what? Like, you're a one-trick pony, dude, and now we are all sitting at home, bored and mad at you, and the things that you do, people are starting to think about a little bit more, and, and the only power they have is to wait in that damn line on November 3rd, and you know what? I think people will, but the problem is... Oh, oh yeah. Oh, people are going to wait, but they may just... They, they may just be waiting, and that's, that's the rub. That's the part that I am never going to be optimistic until after that day is over, and after states, whether it be Georgia or anywhere else, doesn't find a way to disenfranchise people who are willing to wait in line to exercise their right. Until that man is out of the White House and his advisors are out of the White House and there's a new presidential administration in that Oval Office, I will have no true optimism. Yeah, I think I totally would agree with you. And I think that begs another question, which is you'd asked a couple things. Um, one, what happens if Trump wins? The other thing was what happens with, if Biden wins? You know, I think we've kind of covered the Trump piece. We don't really need to. It's, it's not going to be great, uh, period. But, you know, with, with, with Trump, there's a couple of not too outlandish theories. Number one, he doesn't leave. And then we really test the resolution of what the, what the military is saying. You know, the peaceful transition to power is the thing that's really— kept this whole, quote, American experiment alive. Um, he, he definitely, if he loses and does leave, immediately starts his Trump 2024 campaign and tries to go for Grover Cleveland Part 2, a.k.a. took some time off, came back to the job. So to your point, even when he's out of, the, out of power, he's not going away. You know, the thing with... I read an article about what happens if he refuses to leave, and nothing as dramatic as what Biden is saying, where he'll be escorted out of the White House by the military. Um, he'll basically, all the instruments of power available to him... They go they're away. Not, they're not held by his cronies. Like, the guy with the nuclear codes yep. will just leave. Right. You know, like, you can't, like, he's not, like, he doesn't work for Trump, like... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He, all right, sure. You want to you want to be a squatter and you want to tear the country apart by claiming that the election wasn't a fair one or an accurate one, and you you don't recognize the new president. Then that's a whole other ball of wax. But we essentially you see it in other countries where one party will claim that the election wasn't 
fair and they refuse to give it up and the other party just continues as though they are the president. Now, it's volatile and it is not ideal, but it, you know, eventually those things are often worked out and those countries return to the international table. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the only solution is to just pummel this brand of politics, Gavin, until like it, it this needs to be extinguished in a way that will dissuade others from pursuing it or marginalize them from doing it on a national scale. The Republican Party needs to pivot away from But if they get just pummeled nationwide in the next election, then maybe they could go back to like saying, like looking at themselves and be like, all right, how do we win elections in a way that does not um, alienate and um, anger millions and millions, like the majority of people in this country? Because on, on issues, the Republicans, if they stopped being such giant hypocrites, such jerks, they could actually make inroads into communities that you don't even really, like, imagine that they would, like, without being so hostile and just, like, hypocritical, right. gaslighting, but, but, crazy but why, why be creative? Why be collaborative? Why adapt to the realities when you can just dog whistle and gaslight until you're dead and blue in the face? And I just don't think they have the creativity. Period. But if it doesn't work. No, I, I get it. But that's what. But, 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 Since but, Trump has won. But see, their. Which but, elections have they won? Correct. But their move is not, oh man, it doesn't work. Their move is, oh, it doesn't work. Let's cheat harder. Right. Well, they keep doubling down. And, and so that's my you, point, is they keep folding they, the piece of paper and folding the piece of paper. Like, they're going to be able to keep folding the piece of paper. At some point, you can't fold on itself. You don't have enough force. It's over. You painted yourself yeah. into a corner. And I don't think that they're dead, but I just think that they don't have the creativity to say, we can't do it this way anymore. They just say, oh, how can we play dirtier instead, which is the mark of poor leadership, the mark of horrendous leadership. Absolutely. And they have never um, really shown interest in going across the aisle since like the Gingrich days. But, you know, um, if they lose the House, the Senate and the presidency, which would be the tail end of the, the presidential election happened. And then there have been a series of special elections. Yeah. There, there was the midterm and there's been a wave of Democrats have won on a local level all across the country, suburbs of cities that used to be um, red or at least a reddish purple have gone uh, a strong blue. Uh, There's a Democratic senator in Alabama. Uh, You know, like, there are, it's just one death blow after another for this kind of, like, hostile, disgusting political discourse that if they lose the, if if he's a one-term president and they lose both houses... And, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is, you know, she retires and, you know, they're able to get some new young blood in there. Yeah, a 40-year-old a 40 progressive, please. <laughs> like, just somebody who's got, like, some credibility, you know, as opposed to, like, the Klansmen that are going to be going for it if Trump wins again. Um, you know, like, maybe they will have to re-examine it. Or, but, like, you can't double down on dirty 
if you aren't winning elections. No, I agree with that. And that's why I hope it kind of forces them. Again, you got to landslide it. You got to landslide it so there's no room for error on the election, you know, on the cheating, you know, because that's where it's going to come from, you know. But if you can get over the hump. Let's talk numbers a little bit when you're talking about landsliding, okay? In Michigan, Trump won by less than a point in 16, okay? Um, Currently, Biden is his average margin of victory, and the, the, you know, there's like a. 10 polls or a dozen polls have been done, credible polls recently in Michigan. He's up by almost eight points. Wisconsin, he won by less than a point in 16. He's down by over six now, the average, the aggregate. Arizona, he is down by, you know, three or four points aggregate. Florida, he's down by, you know, it's within the margin of error, but he's, he, the numbers, do not ping pong back and forth between Biden and Trump currently in these states. They consistently show Biden leading. It's just how much do they show him leading by, um, which gives the polls a little more weight, in my opinion. Right. But what- he's he's currently competitive in Texas and in Georgia and North Carolina, Pennsylvania. These are all uh, Iowa is in play. And this is why Biden might have been the perfect choice. I understand that the loud and vocal and progressive and probably ultimately correct in terms of the, you know, the great wheel of social progress types and the Elizabeth Warren supporters and the people that are really pushing for some very progressive federally uh, federal government initiatives. They were very disappointed that it was Biden that got the nomination. But like America is not as progressive as you think. And all Biden has to do is basically keep his mouth shut and run a return to decency campaign. And they feel safe with him. They do not feel safe with, with, with Bernie. They do not feel safe with AOC. They do not feel safe with Nancy Pelosi. They feel safe with Biden. They know who Biden is. You bring up Pelosi real quick. The funny thing we go back to to Trump staying in the White House as a, as a squatter. Do you know who becomes president when they overstay their welcome? Yeah, Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, the highest ranking official of the party that's not in power becomes the president for the duration of sorting it out. So essentially, it's like a fail safe right. for a dictatorship, which I believe it when I see it, and hopefully I don't even have to see it. But you know, my favorite part is when people are like, "Oh, if he just leaves." Biden will be president, but if he stays, Pelosi will be until Biden is. So, like, it's kind of like, do you want her to be president, you know, to everybody? Or do you want to just, like, have it be the peaceful transition to power that we're used to? Um, the interesting thing is if the, if the Republicans had just given impeachment proceedings a fair shake and not tried to gaslight everyone into thinking they had a high pair when really they have a junk hand. Yep. They could have impeached the president, denounced all of the nasty right. stuff, and turned around and run, gotten the yeah. guy they really want, which is Pence, and then won the election in November. Guarantee it, because they could have just Pence will take orders and be like, "Yep, uh, I'll keep my mouth shut and I'll try and manage this thing and try and act like a a reasonable human being," even though we all know that you know. The Lord's, you know, word is, is burning inside him as he 
tries to like take rights away from minority groups and homosexuals every chance he gets. But all he had to do was hold his breath for a few months, and he probably would have won. But anyway, he, they didn't do that, and so now they're hopefully going to lose, and he's hopefully going to leave. And, and again, I hope I never see Mike Pence again. I, you know, again, I'm sure we're lighting up the Kremlin switchboard right now. But you know what? Like, they got to go. They got to go. The Supreme Court, the last Supreme Court decision, is a fascinating uh, yes. play to go back to our feeling of what matters and doesn't matter, and what might happen. Like. Okay, you know, the corporations and the PR people and the marketing people are all very pro-social justice, but then the Supreme Court comes out with a conservative majority, and then not only do they vote majority, but they go 6-3 right. in favor of, like, you know, applying gay, bisexual, transgender um, to the, you know, the, to, you know, to the topic of sex in the, in the Civil Rights Act. That's something that, like, all the evangelicals must be like, well, what did we elect this guy for? Well, they, they, they haven't they haven't passed Roe versus Wade repeals. They haven't um, they haven't eroded more rights for gays and homosexuals and transgender people. Effectively, they haven't gotten any of that done. And good. He hasn't done anything except for get everybody really mad at each other. Which is basically all he's good at. So if they win, then they can continue to try to do something. But he doesn't care about these same issues that the evangelicals care about. He only plays. He's a wink and a nod guy, man. He doesn't actually care about anything other than Donald Trump. Right. All that guy wants to do is sit around, sniff his own farts. And send tweets and have people listen to him and be adored by enough people to make him feel like he's not a waste of, you know, oxygen. That guy does not care about, you know, doing anything unless it benefits him. Yeah, actually, that leads into the last point I wanted to make tonight about your boy John Bolton, who you brought up earlier. Okay. So, where did I go here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, John Bolton, first of all, buddy, you had your chance. You wanted your cash and your book advance instead of saving the country. I'm not reading your book. Number two, breaking news from the... Oh, sorry, but this is a quote from the book from the New York Times. Trump, in effect, was willing to give personal favors to dictators he liked. The pattern looked like obstruction of justice as a way of life. Okay, but thanks for writing the book instead of testifying at the impeachment, John. Secondarily, tonight at 9.05 Eastern, June 18th, the Justice Department, a.k.a. the Crooked Justice Department just asked a federal judge to halt publication of John Bolton's memoir. So again, John, you should have done the right thing for free and been a patriot, and you had your chance, and you blew it. We gave you a chance to be a real hero, and you blew it. It's crazy, because, like, like what was, what, what is he doing? He could have released the book after he testified under oath. We still would have read the book, dude. But they don't, he doesn't know, the Republicans don't want a Republican president in modern times to be impeached. They know he won't resign. They don't want that on their record. They don't want that on their record. So they're willing to do anything that they could to prevent being the party that had a president impeached, including allow this guy to run roughshod over the Constitution every chance he gets and try to contain him. Right. But that, and, actually, yeah. Go ahead. you know, here we are like, well, 
now why can't Bolton testify under oath now? <laughs> right. Well, the other thing that I was going to say is this is exactly why their leadership is is so putrid. You already made the point. They could have totally been like, you know what? Let's impeach this guy and go with somebody who's a lot safer for us. And they were too dumb to do that. You know, they're not even dumb. They were too proud, too much hubris, too much whatever, doubling down, doubling down, doubling down. But to your point, instead of getting the black mark and taking the L on the celebrity apprentice host becoming president, which everybody could see was going to probably not go great. Instead of just owning that L, to your point, now unless they can cheat their way to an election victory, they've got to completely change their ethos or go out of business. Take the I L and move forward. I don't think the Republican Party planned on losing any more elections, Gavin. Yep. Coronavirus and international protests against an organization that they have completely equated unequivocal support for with patriotism was not on the game plan. The game plan was to soil Biden with the Hunter Biden crap. You know, Trump gives him a suicide vest hug, survives the impeachment, manages to win the election with a hodgepodge of voter suppression, Russian and Chinese interference, you know, dastardly Republican behavior nationwide, uh, apathy, um, disinterest in the voting process, yep. and very targeted Facebook advertisements thanks to their their alliance with Mark Zuckerberg. And what's happened, and this is where corporations can actually impact this, is like the the resistance is is got a lot of different heads from NASCAR to Twitter to, you know, Bank of America, basically, like, there are a lot of different forces going up against this guy to prevent that from happening. So, like, I don't think they had a plan in place for a global pandemic, hundreds of thousands of Americans dead, daily sustained protests for weeks and maybe even months in the streets, well, largely peaceful. Yep. Um, and energy, and this is what it comes down to, it's passion. And that's how you get people to the polls. And when when Hillary was a president, I had a friend, good friend Chris, who was just like, nobody cares about her, man. There's no energy. There's no passion. She's going to lose. She's going to lose. Look at his supporters. Like I'm like, yeah, but those people are maniacs. They're mouth breathers, and they're, they're this, and they're this. And he's like, they, they, there's just like you can't. You're not. He's not. She, she's not inspiring anyone to go to the polls. Barack Obama inspired people to go to the polls twice. Correct. Now, Mitt Romney didn't inspire them. Bill Clinton inspired people to go to the polls. That's how you beat the the you know the status quo. Sure. By and win some elections. Right. You're only going to have one Barack Obama every generation or two. The guy was an incredible politician, an incredible man. Like, what a guy to be proud of representing your country. And we thought we crossed the finish line. Right, and we were just starting the race. Really, that was the beginning. Right, we were just starting the marathon, right. Well, the good news, you know, because we're coming up against it and it's getting past my bedtime, is uh, the pandemic, and by the way, the firing of the global pandemic preparation team, by the administration tells you everything you need to know about them getting blindsided by a global pandemic. Everything. Yeah, they're so see. arrogant to even think this myth of American exceptionalism, but that, this isn't going to happen here because that's the only something that happens in places like Africa or Asia. Right. 
Well, There's we're the, the we're the number never happened here. Right. We're the number one hotspot, guys. Congratulations. You sucked the hardest. Yeah, we win. You sucked America, the, finally number one. You sucked the best. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, we're gonna leave it there. JJ, stick around for a second. We'll catch up everybody else. Filibuster Freestyle, thanks for listening. Check out Jeremy's work on Man Cook Good on the Instagram. Thanks, JJ. Thank you.